Hi, I'm Shay, and welcome to Kombucha and Color. Kombucha and Color is a weekly podcast hosted by me, Shay Dyer, a yoga teacher and creative graphic designer, and Anna Marsh, a functional medicine practitioner and women's health coach with a love of all things health and fitness. This podcast is here to inspire women to embrace health and live life bright. You can find more about me, Shay, at shaydyer.com. You can find out more about me, Anna, at annamarshnutrition.co.uk. And each week we will be bringing you inspiring content for a healthier and happier mind, body, heart, and soul. Hi, it's Anna. Ever since I was a child, I wanted to study the power that food can have on our health. When I started practicing as a nutritional therapist a decade ago, I realized that what is just as important is the relationship that we have with food. This is very often a mirror for the relationship we have with ourselves. Through my own personal journey and health challenges, I was forced to dig deeper and understand things that go beyond just our physical bodies. I learned the importance of working with the whole person to create a balanced body, mind, heart, and soul. I'm now passionate about using my diverse toolbox to help women slow down, take better care of themselves, and ultimately cultivate a life which is a reflection of self-love. If you feel like this is speaking to you, I created a 43-page guide nine steps to love, nourish, and connect with your body to create an energized life with a happy heart and soul. You can download it for free and join my Grounded Goddess community for even more inspiration by visiting groundedgoddess.co.uk forward slash nine, the number, hyphen steps. That's groundedgoddess.co.uk forward slash nine, the number, hyphen steps, S-T-E-P-S. I'm looking forward to seeing you in the community. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Kombucha and Color. It's Shay here, and Anna is not with us today, but I have an amazing guest, and I am so excited and so looking forward to chatting to this person that I have on the line. I'm so thankful for her time and her energy, and I'm so excited to chat to her. So I would love to welcome to the show Dr. Tara Swart. And just before we got onto this conversation, before we hit record, I just said to her, you know, what is the best way for me to introduce you? Because there's so many different things that encompass who you are and you've done so many things in your life and I'll tell you the reason why I came to you and how I found you is through this this amazing book that you've written how should I define you to people and she kind of said well I'm actually kind of moving away from this feeling of being boxed in by certain labels or certain titles or anything, which is very interesting. I think we speak a lot on the show about this concept of identity and about how we can move away from things or towards things. But maybe if Tara, you want to just introduce us in the way that feels organic and for you right now in this moment, who are you and what are you about? Oh my goodness, that's a huge (laughs) question. (laughs) Thank you for just throwing me in. Yes, I did. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's a new year. So I was doing a lot of thinking, you know, in December and the paperback version of the source is actually out today. So it's really exciting to speak to you today. And yeah, for me, the last couple of years has been all about writing the source and then the source actually coming out into the world. So so that's the thing I'm most excited by. So I think I'm going to choose the definition by what is most fun and what I'm most excited by. Yes, I am a medical doctor with a PhD in neuroscience. And I <laughs> By the way, the on the side. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but we can, you know, I'm sure that will come up in the things that we talk about because it will be often based on medicine or neuroscience. But yeah, I mean, the source has become so much bigger than I ever dreamt that it could be. And, you know, I get approached by people like you and I get lovely messages on Instagram and people send me their action boards. So that's just, yeah, it's the biggest, most exciting thing. So do you want to share a little bit about your journey? So the source, as Tara said, has just come out in paperback today. It's the 16th of January today. So go and grab a book. It is absolutely amazing to read this book. And it it grounds so much of the law of attraction and the magic of manifesting in a really grounded, scientific, tangible way that's very actionable. So it's a really great tool book to go and read and really take action on in your life. But do you want to just give us a little background as to what led you to this point of authoring? this incredible book? 
Well, it, there was a bit of magic involved. Mm. So, um, it was 2017 and I was the world's first neuroscientist in residence at a hotel. And it was the very swanky Corinthia Hotel in London. So, you know, I was kind of having the time of my life and there was a lot of press about it. Then Penguin approached me and they said, oh, we read something about you know, what you're doing at the hotel and we'd like to talk to you about a book. So I said, oh, we'll come to the hotel and have a brain power lunch because, you know, I designed that menu. And um, I met this amazing guy who's the MD of the imprint that the source is now out with. And he said, in the Penguin Life area, we have books on sleep, exercise, mindfulness, etc. And we think, as a neuroscientist, you can write one that brings all of those things together. Now, I have a backstory of writing up my PhD and writing, co-writing a couple of other books and every single time saying, I will never, ever write a book again. And I found myself speaking and wishing that I could stop myself. And I, <laughs> and I just said to him, I could write that book that you've just asked about, but I have an idea about laws of attraction and vision boards and visualization explained by science. And I said, you know, it's basically like the secret, but with really credible empirical science. And he told me later at my book launch party, he said I could have got the pen and the contract out right there and then. <laughs> amazing, 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 amazing. So just to backtrack a little bit. So you were um, working as a psychiatrist and you worked there for seven years as, as a psychiatrist. What prompted you to make that switch or that change to a different lifestyle? What led you down this path of blending the magic with the science? Because as I read your book, it's very scientific and it's very, uh, in a very easy to understand way. It's very grounded in medical knowledge and obviously a lot of training that has gone and understanding that has gone into this from a very scientific and medical point of view. You. But as I read it, there's this undercurrent of magic in it because you wouldn't have named it the source if you didn't have some connection to something that was a little bit intangible. So if maybe you could explain your kind of bringing together of those two worlds and your history of how that came to be about the science versus the magic and blending it together. Well, it's, that's basically the story of my life. I mean, it starts with my birth in London to parents who had emigrated from India with a Hindu religion. And so I was brought up at home, vegetarian, you know, with Ayurvedic practices. My parents like doing headstands and Kriya breathing the whole time. And, but I went to school in North London and nobody else that I went to school with had any of those things going on at home. So from a very young age, I learned to separate those things. And so for me, there was very much a what went on at home and what went on outside. And it's, I guess, in the same way that, a, you know, a newborn, a, a, a baby can learn up to five languages at the same time, as long as five different people speak one language each. Innately, as, as children, our brains are very good at separating what goes with what. So essentially, by teenage, I found myself kind of living two lives, which was quite difficult and I had a lot of pressure and expectation to become, you know, very professional, preferably a doctor. Luckily, I was good at maths and science. And then when I started studying Western medicine, that kind of went against some of the beliefs that, you know, we had at home, which was much more about natural, that medicine was essentially like what you eat and how you move and through sort of mindfulness practices. So it seemed to be drifting further and further apart and in psychiatry, and you know, I've worked in the UK, in South Africa, in Australia, Bermuda, there, there was a growing kind of understanding that treatment had to be a bit more holistic, but we hadn't got there yet. So it's very much about diagnosing mental illnesses, giving medical medication kind of treatments, some talking therapy, but you know, there is never enough resources to do enough of that. And so I think that that started to feel a bit like not enough for me. And at the same time, I had got married and, you know, to a doctor and we traveled the world and worked together. And then in 2007, that marriage fell apart. And so I had a really big decision to make about, you know, who, like you said, identity, who am I now that I'm not married to this person? I also returned to the UK from where we were living in Bermuda. So, you know, another big life change. And I had been thinking about doing something different for about two years. And although I would probably advise people not to take on all the possible changes in life at the same time, I just did. I was like, well, everything's changing around me. I couldn't really control a lot of that. 
but there's a change I've been wanting to make. So it feels like now's the time to make it. Leaving medicine is a very big deal because your whole degree is vocational. And, you know, in the UK, we're very privileged. We get funding for our education. So I really had been thinking for two years, like, what could I do that wouldn't waste everything that I'd learned and, and would still really help people and, and kind of give me the reward and satisfaction and sense of purpose that I got from being a doctor. So the first move was just straight into coaching. And it was only about three years after that, that neuroscience started popping up as a bit of a buzzword in business and leadership. And a few people started saying to me, surely you're the person that should be speaking about this. But, you know, it was, it was around the time of the global financial crisis. I had a really nice niche as a former psychiatrist, um, helping financial services executives who were extremely stressed. And I sort of thought, well, oh, no, I'm quite happy doing this. But then I started hearing other people talking about neuroscience and business and they had, didn't have the qualifications and they were either saying some things that weren't quite correct or to be honest, what frustrated me was that they were overcomplicating it for people. Mm. And I think the biggest gift is to make something really complicated, really simple. And that kind of became my mission. So I started doing lots of speaking and I love doing that. So that was, that was, you know, quite natural. And then people started saying, well, you should really write a book. And I was like, no, 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 I did did a PhD. I went, you know, writing that was the hardest thing I ever did in my life. And then basically a friend slash colleague kind of tricked me into co-writing a book with him and I would never let him down. So I did everything I had to do to make that successful. But looking back, it left me with a tiny little belief that I couldn't write a book by myself. And I think that was eating away at me slowly. And because of my personal situation with my divorce, I've been reading a lot more about the laws of attraction, visualization, Jungian psychology, Buddhist philosophy. And I'd finally found a way of bringing those two things together that, you know, all my life I'd kept so separate because it was starting to seep into my work. You know, I was living my whole life differently because of it. And so when Penguin came along, I was like, well, actually, I have this idea. And then they loved it. And before I knew it, I was writing another book. Yeah, it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. And it's so clear how you simplify everything to such an easy to understand, actionable way in the book. And it's, it's so tangible for people. So thank you for putting out into the world. It was meant to be this way. Um, <laughs> yeah, you. really, really, really. Um, so do you want to just carry on about um, how this book has kind of expanded and evolved and where it's taken you? Because I want to speak a little bit about this concept versus of, I guess, allowing versus using your mind to focus to get something. And I think that can be a, some kind of maybe a little bit of incongruence between the law of attraction and where the source where you're saying, well, you know, you can focus and really hone in on on certain things to get what you want or to manifest Mm -hmm. something that you are looking for in your life. Yeah. I mean, you sort of briefly mentioned this to me yesterday and I, I was just blown away by this angle because I've done a lot of podcasts for the book and nobody's ever asked me that before. So I was really impressed and I kind of, I was grateful that I had a chance to sleep on it because it's definitely like got my neurons whirring. So I think this, the sort of segue between you know, my answer to your last question and getting into this one is that there also came a point, to be honest, probably only once I'd started writing in earnest where I thought, you know, I used all of this to literally change my life. I mean, Mm -hmm. I went from being divorced, not being able to pay my own rent, really being at the bottom of the pile of what I was doing after being quite a senior doctor to it working out sort of beyond my wildest dreams. And I thought everybody needs to know this. Like, it can't just be that only the people who went to medical school or did a PhD in neuroscience have access to this knowledge because it's not really just for like higher study. It's for anybody whose relationship breaks down or who wants to leave their job or, you know, who just wants to make a change, be a sort of live their life differently or be a different person. So that's what really drove me was that everybody needs to have access to this. And that's why I wanted to make it simple. And And actually, that was the reason to write a book, because that could reach so many more people than I could reach through speaking or, you know, physically interacting with people. What's interesting is that when I changed career to coaching, what I liked about it, obviously, there were psychological skills. So that was like an obvious one. But I liked the fact that it was both about focus and determination, but it also had a very Zen aspect to it. 
And now that you've asked me about, you know, my life story, I think you can see that, you know, I worked very hard. I climbed that academic ladder and the career ladder like you're supposed to. But I also always had that background of meditation and yoga and, and you know, Ayurvedic living. So it was almost like that, that opposite or that yin yang, you know, mm. kind of even conflict thing appealed to me because if I had to choose one or the other, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be complete. I wouldn't feel like that was everything I wanted to be doing. So to me, it feels okay to say the universe is so much bigger than us and we need to allow space for magic to happen. But I think because of all my training and all the expectation that I've had on me in my life, it just wouldn't be my style to say, and I'll sit back and let that happen. You know, mm. I, I feel like you've got to be showing that you're trying mm. and mm. that you're, you know, working with the universe and gra- grabbing, noticing and grabbing those opportunities, not just feeling like they're floating around you and, and you know, everything's going to be okay. I, there is a part of me that believes at the end of the day, everyone's going to be okay, whether you tried really hard or you went for the, you know, the more like allow magic to happen pathway. So I think you absolutely can choose one or the other. But I think when you can mix in elements of both, it's just, I'm sure it's more than doubly powerful. Mm. I definitely agree with that in terms of you need to have focus, you need to have clarity on what you want. And I think that's why so much of your book is about creating these action boards or vision boards. And that's something that I also firmly believe in. I have a, a membership platform, Move, Breathe, Create, and I've got a whole section on vision boarding. And similar to you, I've got, it's very actionable. So I have my vision board, it's up next to me, I can see it. And I put little post-it notes of very specific action steps on each picture that I have to put an action step on so that once I've done that action step, I take that post-it off post-it note off and then I put the next one on. So it's it's very it's tangible and it's and it's concrete in what I'm creating or what I'm trying to move towards, but then also that ability to step back and let things happen. Because as you say, there there is this quality of how can I surrender? And the surrender experience, I don't know if you've read The Surrender Experiment by a Michael Singer. It's a beautiful book. And he's, he's also about this, he's just letting life flow through him. And he surrenders, he surrenders, he surrenders. And a lot of it is surrendering the identity. So like when you're speaking about this, this, this identity that has to shift, wow, that opens up space for so much to happen because you are not attached to some certain way of being or a certain identity that you are holding or attaching onto. So I love hearing you speak about that. And something else that comes up in your, um, specifically in your action boards or your vision boards was using images that represent a feeling. And this is something that I have never done before in my vision boarding, but it's something that I've included now as I've gone through it, is to create a vision board that's not necessarily with the tangible things. So it's not just necessarily a house, but maybe it might be a rock to represent financial stability or a mm-hmm. feeling of grounding. So do you want to just speak a little bit more about tangibly making an action board or a vision board or how you've used it in your life and how you recommend other people to do it? Yeah. I mean, there's a whole chapter on exactly how to do it, like literally get a piece of cardboard, get the magazines and, you know, where to put it and, and you know, all the brain science of how it works. But hearing you, I loved what you're doing with the post-it notes. And I really think there's no like exactly right way to do it. But I, you know, I've been doing it for more than 10 years now. So I feel like it's much easier for me to get to the nub of what I want than it used to be. And sometimes it's more literal and sometimes it's more metaphorical. I last year started, because I did mine on Pinterest last year, started um, having the board. And then if something came true, I moved it to a section called manifested Mm. because like, the only thing I was thinking about your post-it notes is that when you remove a post-it note, then you're no longer being faced every day with the acknowledgement that you've achieved that. What I liked about the manifested section was that I could go and look and think, wow, all of these things have come true already. So that must mean that all of these other things are mm. going to come true. And it's just mm. like really positive. But I do, I love your, your post-it note idea. And I, I'm just going to like declare now that I am probably going to steal that idea. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then just another quick point before I go on to the action boards, which is a friend of mine who, you know, has been trying to do all the same practices. She said, you know, you're so, you're so focused. You're so like specific about what you want. And she said, I've been trying to work really hard on not trying to control everything. And it's a similar question to yours. She's like, how do I put that together with what your book says when I see you being just like so single-minded and driven? 
And so what we realized when we chatted was that she was trying to not control the things that that go on around her, which is that surrender. Mm -hmm. But what I talk about in the brain is that what you can control is, well, not control, but what you can master is your emotions, honing your intuition. If something bad happens around you, you can't control that, but you can control how you respond to that. Mm -hmm. So for example, with things like vision boards, I mean, certainly when I was starting out my career, 99% of people are just so positive and encouraging. But you know, you always get the people that say, for example, to me, why would you give up being a doctor to become a coach? How is somebody at your age going to compete with all these retired CEOs who are running coaching practices? And so you do have to really keep that level of groundedness and positivity because it's very easy for those things to affect you otherwise. Each week, we get incredible feedback about our episodes of Kombucha and Colour. We know our show is touching, inspiring, and helping hundreds of women, and we would like to reach even more. Can you help? You can help other women find the inspiration that you have found if you head over to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. If you screenshot your review and share it on Instagram stories or your Instagram feed tagging myself, Anna, Shay, or Kombucha and Color, we'll send you a wonderful, restful yoga nidra practice to download so you can find some peace and calm in your day or a better night's sleep at night. Additionally, everyone who enters and leaves a review and shares it on Instagram will be put into a lucky prize draw to win a copy of my Beat the Bloat guide and Shay's yoga guide. You can love your body from the inside out with 174 pages, including over 100 pages of recipes, which walk you through my 28-day digestive reset process. This is perfect if you want to reset your body, address any unwanted health symptoms, or support your skin, hormones, energy, and digestion. Shay's 173-page yoga guide includes 116 pages of detailed pose analysis. It will give you all the tools you need to teach yourself yoga so you can sequence, practice, and flow safely in your very own home. Remember, all you need to do is go to iTunes, leave a five-star review, screenshot the review, and share it on Instagram stories or your Instagram feed tagging myself, Anna underscore Marsh underscore nutrition, Shay at Indie Yoga Life, or Kombucha and Color, Kombucha underscore and underscore color. Head on over and do that right now before you forget, and then your yoga nidra practice will be on its way. Last year, someone said to me, like, how many copies of the source do you want to sell? And I just named some, like, ridiculous number. And this is a person, like, from publishing and book PR, and they were like, that's, you know, these days that's not really actually an achievable number anymore. And I was like, I don't care. And they said, but, you know, shouldn't you actually think, you know, what number do you really want to sell? And I was like, that massive number. And I just, for me, it's about obviously surrendering to what happens outside me that I can't control. But like within me, I can control everything that happens within me. And I'm not even just talking emotionally, like things like your cravings, your hunger levels, your, you know, whether you get sick or not. There's a lot more that we can do with our bodies once we understand that brain body connection. So, you know, by understanding how powerful the brain is, then a simple activity like an action board is just putting front of mind the direction that you want to go in, the emotional state that you want to be in. And so it's literally a collage made by hand. The more visible you can keep it, the better. With, I like to say metaphorical representations of what you want, but if there is something really specific like a home, that could absolutely be on there. And I tend to fluctuate between very specific and very metaphorical. So, and I think you feel differently at different times Mm. and that's okay. And, you know, some people will always be more metaphorical and some people will always be more literal. And, you know, I've actually found out through the sort of social media community that there's actually, I should have known this, but there's a neurological condition where you cannot visualize. And I've also had people write to me who are blind and say, well, you know, what I want to do everything that you're saying, but what should I do? And so, you know, I found myself making up things I never would have thought for, like 
make a soundtrack for what you want Mm. or use texture to represent what you want. I mean, you know, if these people hadn't written to me to say what their blocker is with making an action board, I never would have thought of those things. So, you know, it's so amazing. You can add in some texture, you can add in like some music and I'm sure that's even better. But, but basically you make this board and, you know, I go through the specifics in the book of, is it exactly what you want? Is it everything that you want? Is there anything on there that doesn't quite feel right? Does it represent a lot of busy activity? Does it represent having some space and some connection between things? And then basically look at it as much as you can. I suggest mostly that you look at it last thing at night because of the Tetris effect, which is that it's the psychological phenomenon where the thing that you look at last thing before falling asleep um, imprints more strongly on your subconscious. And that just means that when you're walking around the next day and, you know, we're bombarded with information all the time. So naturally our brain filters out most of that like you're not aware of the clothes on your body all day, but you're more likely to notice things that you put on your vision board because you've actually gone to the effort of making it and you look at it every day. So you remember, oh yeah, I'm fine in my rental apartment at the moment, but what I'm really trying to save towards is my own place. And you know, you might just notice things that make you more likely to think, okay, I'm not going to waste money on that thing that I was going to buy. What, you know, that's not the best example, but It's just that it primes your brain to notice the things that you've decided that you want. Having said that, I do always allow a bit of space for magic as well. So, you know, I don't believe that I know everything that's going to happen or everything that I might want. And like I said, I've had a few like crazy examples of things just, you know, becoming much bigger than than I would have wanted. So I think, okay, I need to like leave room for that to happen. Mm -hmm. So what are some practices? Obviously you've got your action board, your vision board that you look at every single night before you go to sleep and maybe first thing in the morning. What are some things that you personally have in your day that help you stay in that aligned emotional state? Because what you're talking about, it sounds is a lot about this embodied state. So the textures that you have, the sound that you have, it's a full body experience of what you are wanting to manifest. I mean, on my board, I've got an actual 20 pound note that's stuck up on my board. So it's that physical, tangible, full body experience of what you're experiencing. But how do you, what are the simple practices that you use personally in your day to keep yourself connected to those things that you are wanting to bring into your life? I mean, it's very broad. And I would say, you know, it's been, it's been years of, of making practices into habits and then bringing new things in. There's two ways you could look at it. One is kind of what you've alluded to, which is the sensory experience. So, you know, that everything that you see, that you smell, that you touch, that you hear is that, that you're very mindful of those things. You don't, for example, we know that people who repeatedly look to images of the Twin Towers falling on 9-11, even if they had no connection to New York or no personal friend that was involved, they could get PTSD. Wow. So, you know, I'm, I limit my, how much I look at the news because it tends to be bad. So, you know, I try to keep positive imagery around me. Like I said, if people say, well, you know, you're never going to achieve this or that, then I, I just sort of um, replace that with a positive affirmation in my mind. But I would say the way that I approach it, and probably this is the more sciencey medical way, is through the pillars that I've mentioned in the book, which are rest, fuel, hydrate, oxygenate, and simplify. So to me, all of this starts with a good night's sleep. Mm. If you haven't had a good night's sleep, do not expect to have the mental power to, you know, to visualize all of your dreams and goals coming true. It's, you know, you have your physical state has to be in peak condition for your brain to be able to do all these higher things. So I'm obsessed with sleep. I always get seven to nine hours of sleep. And in London, it's quite noisy. So I use the Dyson air purifier to create some white noise to try to rectify that. I, I always wear an eye mask. <laughs> I'm um, a fan of eye masks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, I have all these like, you know, sleep sprays and things that I use just before. As a massive treat to ourselves, I actually got some silk pillowcases for Christmas. Oh, lovely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it does make a difference. Ritual, like, yeah, yeah. 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 And it's, so, you know, and that's something if, because I travel a lot, I haven't done this yet, but I could take them with me because then mm-hmm. that's something that signals to my brain that this is, this is what my bed is like. This is sleep time. And then, you know, I have regular sleep times and wake times. I drink a tall glass of water the second that I wake up. I take probiotics 
quite regularly and a load of other supplements. But I then focus a lot on like the food that I eat. So all of my dietary choices are based on brain first. And I do do um, intermittent fasting or time restricted eating. So, you know, there's a whole Mm -hmm. schedule around keeping my brain and body in peak condition. You know, I love matcha green tea and I do love English breakfast tea too, but I just, you know, I don't have much caffeine. I don't have any caffeine Mm -hmm. after 10 Mm -hmm. o'clock in the morning. And then, you know, I just try to make sure that I move around sufficiently in the day, even if I'm not doing formal exercise, that I'm not sedentary, that I'm, I'm mobile, I'm getting enough steps, I'm breathing deeply, you know, breath is something I'm really focusing on at the moment because it's so easy, especially in London, to just be rushing around and do that shallow breathing that's, mm-hmm. that happens when you're stressed. And, you know, we're all stressed by definition. So focusing on breath. And then, you know, I would say that having positive people and, you know, meaningful interactions in your life is just so much more important than we realize. Mm. Loneliness is very bad for the brain. So, you know, when I lived on my own for a long time, I used to regularly take baths and get massages because that releases the oxytocin, which is the bonding hormone that we all really need. That, that feeling of belo- that sense of belonging in a community is the single most important factor for brain health. It's twice as important as physical exercise. Wow. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah. And then basically the simplify is partly mindfulness. So, you know, I mean, I've done years and years and years of different types of meditation to get me to that point where even if I don't do it all the time now, I know what I need to do if I'm super stressed. I know what I need to do if I feel like my emotions are becoming dysregulated. But I'd have to say like the difference between me in my 20s and my 40s is just that I've, you know, I've worked on that emotional regulation for so long that it just is in a sort of smaller range now, which is mm. a big thing because, you know, if you have these like peaks of pure joy and overexcitement, then unfortunately the pendulum is going to swing the other way. And that, so this emotional range is a really important thing to focus on. Um, and just connecting up the emotions with the probiotics that I mentioned And also, which leads me into mentioning journaling, honing my intuition, listening to my inner voice, learning to trust it against, you know, whatever's going on outside, whatever advice I'm given has been an absolute game changer for me. Mm. But even then, if I'm tired, if I'm stressed, if I, you know, haven't eaten properly, that can feel so cloudy. Mm. Um, Mm. And I'm constantly trying to get myself back to the point where I'm well rested, hydrated, I'm eating really healthily, I'm taking my supplements. And then, you know, whether it's through the journaling or just, just, you know, sort of through pondering and reflection, I can really work out like, what do I need to do? What's not working? What do I need to get rid of? But having said that, even though, you know, it's my job and my life to focus on those things. I was at a pre-Christmas drinks party and I met this amazing woman and I told her that, I'm going to make loads of changes next year and I'm going to, you know, get more into the arts and creativity. And she said, yeah, because it makes me think of that question. Who are you when you're not doing? Mm. And I just looked at her and I was like, I could burst into tears right now. And she just looked at me and said, cause you're so much more than that. Mm. And she doesn't even know me. And I was, it was just such a poignant moment. And I thought, okay, I'm definitely on the right path for 2020, but I need to go deeper into that path even than I thought I did. So, mm. you know, sometimes an angel comes to you just when you need them. Yeah, which is that magic element, you know, and it's mm. being open to receive it like that and open to read the situation as what it is. But something that you mentioned about this creativity piece, which I want to get on, that's a big proponent of what I share in the Move, Breathe, Create platform and everything that I share online is about this creative element, which from what it sounds like it it might've been quite a big swing coming from this very medical science background and now moving towards this creative arts background. But just as you were talking, and this is circling back onto that piece of allowing, is that something you mentioned in the book is we've got this whole brain approach to manifesting and there's six Mm -hmm. different, I think you call it pathways or um, routes to get this whole brain approach. So we've got you know, we've got the the physicality, we've got the emotions, we've got the intuition, we've got motivation, we've got logic, we've got creativity. And we need all of those aspects to be able to have this whole brain approach to what it is that we're trying to manifest. And something in the book that you mentioned was about creativity. And they did a study at Harvard, perhaps, and it was, they took, they asked people who were creative to 
take a coat hanger or a sock or a chewing gum wrapper and what uses did they have for this particular item? And the people who classified themselves as, as not creative were very in the box thinking a sock is a sock and a sock is a sock and there's no kind of lateral thinking. Yeah. They were like a sock is for warming up your feet. A chewing gum wrapper is for like, you know, covering up something that you're going to eat. And I know where you're going with this. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I think it's really like worries me for children how so early on we're not allowed to be or do certain things. And so I was one of those kids, like at primary school, I wasn't good at art. And so I was told you're not creative. Mm. And I believed that. I would say I was definitely under 15 when that was first said to me. I believed that until I was 35. I strongly believed I am not creative. I would say it out loud. I would say to my friends sometimes, isn't it weird that you're all creative and I'm the only one out of our group that isn't? And of course they said to me, but you are, but I didn't, I mean, you know, it was a brain pathway that had been entrenched for at Mm. least 20 years. And it was kind of actually through writing the book or slightly prior to that, the research into it, where I realized that one comment like that in your childhood can block off that creativity pathway. Mm. And however good, you know, I, I would say that my strongest pathways are my intuition and my, um, brain body connection. And I've worked on the emotional intelligence pathway. The logic is pretty much there for most of us. But that one, you know, that was probably behind me saying, I'm not going to write another book again. or I can't write a book by myself. Or, And I started to think, if somebody had told me when I was 10 that I was super creative, how different would my life, life mm. have been? But, mm. you know, the sort of ironic thing is I've always loved art. When I was doing my PhD, and, you know, it was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. I remember one day just being like, I literally cannot carry on. I need a break. And my best friend at the time said, let's go to the cinema. And I was like, I can't, I cannot look at another screen. And she went, okay, well, let's just like get some fun magazines and go to the park and like have a coffee. And I was like, no, I can't read anything more. And she was like, okay, how about we go to an art gallery? So I said, okay. And I'd always loved art, but in that moment, from that point of being so focused and stressed, we went, I think it was the National Gallery, and I just felt like I was floating. Uh It was like my whole brain just like rested for the first time in so long. And that was like, for me, suddenly then art became like the antidote to everything. So, you know, over the time I've had various memberships of the Tate Modern, and now I've got one of the RA and everything. And and so I've learned a lot just by walking around and looking at art. And, you know, I'm very lucky when I met my husband, I'd done my vision board and I'd made a list of the perfect man. And one of the things was, I want to be surrounded by art. And the first time I walked into his house, it was crammed full of art, actually too crammed full. So like once I moved in, I worked with an art curator and a picture hanger and we took everything down and it took two days and we rearranged it again with more space and we like, you know, removed some things and, and moved everything around. And, and that's when I started thinking, well, like, this is her job. Like, how unfair is that? You know, I could have been stuck in a, in a lab doing research. She gets to go to people's I houses. And, rearrange. Yeah. and she said to me, you've got a really good eye. Like, and you know, we're friends. And so I said, like, maybe I should do a little internship with you or something. And then I thought, you know, if I could have done whatever I wanted my whole life, if I didn't have you know, to have a profession and that security and stability, I would have loved to have studied history of art. Mm. And I think with the sort of reflecting that I was doing at the end of last year, and then this girl saying, who are you? And you're so much more than that. I just thought, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I think there's actually a lot of correlation between neuroscience and art and creativity. And that's what I'd really like to share with people. So you know, I know I just put a post on Instagram and, and I was blown away by how like supportive and positive everyone was. But when you said to me, yeah, let's talk about this like new art thing that you're doing. I was a bit like, I don't know if I'm ready for that. (laughs) 
But now you've made me put it out there. Yeah, so. exactly. And yeah. It, will, it will manifest. And as, as just as a visual for people who can't see, obviously, but um, I'm w- watching behind Tara, there's a magnitude of uh, awesome paintings and framed <laughs> things on the wall. Like there is art everywhere. Yeah. But just like feeding back on this creative pathway of the brain and it feeds so well into this concept of allowing because when you have this creative pathway in your brain that's developed and cultivated and nurtured, then you're looking at a sock, but a sock is not just a sock. It can be a helicopter or it can be something that you are throwing or it's a catapult or whatever it is. And that can then lead to you being able to see things in your world that are presenting themselves. But because you've got this open brainwave or this creative pathway that's developing is that you can see that actually this does fit my dream. This does fit the thing that I'm manifesting. It may not be in the specifics that I had you know, honed in on, mm. but it's coming to me in some form, in some way. On my one of my vision boards was to host retreats with my husband, and I've been invited to teach at a yoga festival. And Warren's now coming with me, and I'm like, oh well, you'll be there with me, won't you? We'll be teaching, kind of. So that yeah, to, so it. yeah, so yeah. it's like having that openness to be able to like, yeah, connect the dots in a new way. But to be honest, even like, you know, you approaching me for this podcast, mm, I saw mm. the story that you did. And I was like, wow, somebody that I don't know has decided to like go face to camera and say this much about my book. And now that's led to really the first kind of big thing into the world about art. But I also really want to agree with your point, which is that creativity isn't just about art or being mm. like, you know, in the media or films or whatever. It's it's about, you know, you may have created a home, a family, you create like the atmosphere that, you know, with between people that you spend time with, you create, you know, the outfit that you wear every day as a creation. And actually, because I'm wearing headphones to speak to you, I had to take off my jeweled headband that I was wearing prior to this call. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> and I was just thinking, you know, self-adornment mm, is an art form as well. Mm, mm. Um, so there's, you know, I'm excited to explore what art and creativity actually means and then I probably will put a whole like what's the neuroscience behind that but if you think about cave paintings Mm. we've been doing art like since our species like existed so I think it's very therapeutic as well Mm, 100% Um, mm. yeah well um, if your next book on art and creativity and neuroscience I'm there (laughs) (laughs) we'll have to have you back on the show But um, yeah, so just, it's amazing. And it's just hearing you speak is, is just so empowering and so affirming because it's somebody who's done it, right? You're not somebody who's just talking, but you, you've really changed your life in such a big, massive way. And it shows and it's, it's, you can feel that it. it's tangible in what you say and what you do. And there's conviction behind you, what you say, because it's so real to you. And it's so, you know, I'm, I'm full of, full on behind all of this. So it's just, I've been so excited to chat to you for so long. And there's also, sorry, I just want to chat to you about the sense of openness because when I posted on Instagram, that story and you replied to me and straight away, I was just like, I'm just going to invite you on. And to me, you're like this revered author and it's this person who's written this book and it's an amazing thing. And I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to ask her, does she want to come on the podcast? And then straight away you were like, yeah, great. So there's this openness that I think also invites manifesting to unfold Mm. do you want to speak a little bit to that or or how openness has kind of led you down this path towards where you are yeah I mean because I don't say yes to every podcast I get Mm. invited on by the way so (laughs) thank you I'm so appreciative (laughs) Um, maybe there's a physicality or an an intuition involved in that yes well I mean I think you can probably guess from my surname that I have a very strong connection to South Africa so I think there definitely was something there that like intrigued me like at first and what I try to do is travel a lot and have friends from different cultures and I you know I speak quite a few languages because I think that is such a way to meet people that maybe you wouldn't normally interact mm, with mm. and I don't know if you know but I did a TED, TEDx talk on neuroscience and nationalism which is basically about unconscious biases and stereotypes okay, and how to break them down so you know, I know that I have an unconscious bias towards South Africa. So that's probably... (laughs) (laughs) Um, I have to put the links for these um, TED Talks. I'll put them into the show notes. I'll grab them for you afterwards. Yeah. Thank you. Um, So I think the openness thing is very interesting because I think it definitely depends on like what's happening for you in life. Mm. And there are times throughout my life where I've been like a lot more open, you know, like I've had to when I started building up the coaching business, for example. 
and I became a lot more able to go with the flow. Whereas as a doctor, it was very like, very rigid about like everything being done. Per- you know, it was like OCD, everything had to be done perfectly. I mean, literally, if you got one number of a blood test result wrong, somebody could die in front mm. of you. So, you know, you go from being like that to being open to meeting new mm. people to like, you know, running a freelance business in a way that you've never done before. Of course, you have to change when there are obvious things like that. I also find that for myself, a really noticeable pattern, and this is again where journaling can really help people, is that towards the end of the year, you know, you've worked hard, it's the Christmas season, you probably like desperately need the holiday that's coming up. I tend to be much more closed off. Once Mm. I've had the vacation and some time off and a digital detox, and I've come back and it's a new year, I tend to be a lot more open. Mm. Having said that, we, you and I did actually agree at the end of last year to do this. So I was obviously quite, so, you know, I've worked on this. I've worked on the fact that I know that if I'm busy and stressed and tired, then I tend to close off more. So I, I try to like balance that a bit better. So I think it comes back to knowing yourself, which is one of the things I've written in the book. It's okay to fluctuate between the level of openness that you have at different times. But what I would say is it's important to know the state that you're in and understand why, because otherwise you'll be closing yourself off from opportunities on an instinct and a reflex that's more driven by fear or tiredness than like a a good reason, if you know what Mm -hmm. I mean. So for me, everything comes down to basically mindfulness, like know why you're being like that at the moment. And, you know, a really good example is alcohol. So I say to people, if you've had a stressful day and you come home and you want to just drown your sorrows and blot it out and not deal with it, that's not a good reason to drink alcohol. If you come home and you say that I just really want to savor one glass of red wine, or I feel like, you know, I deserve it because it's a little treat, but I'm only going to have a small amount. Or if you, you know, share it over a nice meal with your husband, those are are good reasons to do exactly the same activity. So, you know, I think it's always about why am I doing this? Same thing with like that extra cookie that you might want to eat. Is it because actually you're stressed and you're craving sugar? Or is it because you've eaten healthily all week and you give yourself one nice little treat at some point? Mm, mm. I love that. I love that. It's so, and it is, it comes back to, again, the same things, know yourself, love yourself, get in touch with who you are, move your body, journal, be positive, get yourself in a good headspace, nourish your body well. Like it's the same message that just, yeah. but it's just in such a part. Yeah. It's just anybody who's listening, you really need to read this book, The Source by um, Dr. Tara Swartz. So go and grab it. Yeah. Is there anything else that you want to add on a last little takeaway for people or anything that you want to share um, about what you are doing in the upcoming months or year? What are you wanting to manifest this year? (laughs) So my vision board at the moment, my action board is, it's on Pinterest, I have to say this year again. Is it public? No. Okay, okay, okay. (laughs) No, the ones that are in my home, they're open to be seen, but that's because I know the people that invite into my home. I probably wouldn't just randomly put it out there. Yeah. I, I think my friend did discover that I had by mistake not made my board private last year. So. I, I still think I need to complete it. I think I'm nine out, nine out of 10 there. I'd sort of started at the end of last year, really like felt like I got it right when I was on holiday earlier this month. I just got a little niggle that there's one thing that's not right. So I need, but, but it's, um, Wait, sorry, know, it's can I just, sorry, where does that niggle come from? From my What's intuition. Intuition. Okay. Yeah. There's something, a physicality or something yeah. that says, yeah. Okay. There's something, there's something missing which I haven't Mm -hmm. quite got my finger on yet, but it's mostly to do with the book. So, you know, it's to do with um, spreading the message. It's not a secret because Penguin told everybody at my book party last year (laughs) that, that, you know, some sort of um, TV version of the book is on the cards. Um, (gasps) Amazing. Yeah. So I'm I'm really excited about that. And I'm very, very much focusing on that and, you know, leaving space open for Mm -hmm. me to be able to do that should it happen. But the main thing I would say is that I'm very, very active on Instagram. I, I put um, anything related to, you know, what the book's doing or, you know, what I'm up to on there. But I also just do lots of like information sharing and knowledge sharing and like positive, you know, kind of messages and things. So that's probably the best place to see like what, what I'm doing, what's coming next. And, you know, if you're having a bad day, I think it's a really like 
nice feed I look through it myself sometimes and I'm like wow this is so positive yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so I'm Dr Tara Swart on Instagram and that's the best place to like then you know then if there's a podcast that I've done obviously it will appear on there and people can like follow the link and things like that Awesome. Well, thank you so much for chatting to us. I've absolutely loved this conversation. I know that people will take so much away from just this talk, but if you want to dive a little bit deeper into this work, I really, really suggest and recommend you get this book. Paperbacks come out and by the time this podcast goes out, it will be out. So make sure you go and grab a copy and then let us know. You can message Tara on Instagram at Dr. Tara Swart, or you can message me in the yoga life and let us know what you think about the book. And maybe we'll have Dr. Tara Swart back on when she she does her creativity when she's got her TV show up and running and then we'll check in again. And in the meantime, let's hold each other accountable and everybody yes. um, this to our action boards for 2020. Perfect. perfect. Thank you so much for coming out to the show. Thank Bye, you. Bye everybody. Thank you for listening to another episode of Kombucha and Colour. If you have enjoyed or been inspired by our conversations today, please leave a five-star review on Stitcher or iTunes. Don't forget to share with friends and family. This will help other women find inspiration to live life bright. We'd love to connect with you on social media. Come find me, Shay, by searching Shay Dyer Yoga on Facebook or Instagram. You can find me, Anna, by searching Anna Marsh on Facebook or Instagram. And remember, you can always refer to the links in the show notes. See you next week. Hi, it's Shay here. Take a moment right now to reflect on how you measure a successful day for yourself. For a long time, I measured the success of my day based on the number of Instagram likes or followers I gained, the money I made, or the amount of love or praise I received. Whilst these are wonderful things to desire, using them as a metric of success left me feeling really depleted. It was only after some honest soul searching that I've truly shifted my metrics so that now I define my success on whether I'm able to answer yes to the following three questions. Have I moved my body today? Have I breathed or sat in stillness today? Have I created something today? Move, breathe, create. When I focus on these as measures of a successful day, I am able to really slow down get out of the busyness of my head, back into my body, and manifest things from a really authentic place. What's even crazier is that when I focus on these three things, all the other shiny pennies, the money, the praise, the followers, the likes, they all flow into my life with such ease as a result of me being in an energized, calm, creative, and aligned state. It's completely changed my outlook on life, and it's made me a much happier person. I really want to share all my tools with you so that you too can manifest the things you want in your life from this energized, calm, creative, and aligned state, and feel really happy whilst doing it. Come and join me at movebreathecreate.com, where you will find ways to energize your body and calm your mind, along with creative tutorials and techniques to get you into that creative, manifesting state. Most yoga studio monthly memberships cost upwards of £100 a month, and you can join me over at movebreathecreate.com, where you can find not only yoga practices and tutorials, but also workbook downloads, community, meditations, soul work, journal ideas, creative prompts, and inspiration, all for less than £10 a month. It's like your own personal yoga retreat space. Come connect back to your body, mind, and soul with me at movebreathecreate.com. I look forward to seeing you inside of the community.